If you feel fear and anxiety due to the coronavirus, you are certainly not alone. Ed and I wanted to air a few special episodes of Dear Anxiety for kids, parents, and really anyone, highlighting some coping strategies to navigate through this challenging time. I am Rini Jane, Chief Storyteller at GoZen, and I have with me Dr. Laura Markham. She is a clinical psychologist. She has written beautiful, best-selling books. Um, I believe uh, the series is Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids. Laura, you can correct me if I'm wrong. And she has also founded an amazing website and has blogs, has articles, has resources, has courses called AHA Parenting. And today we are going to be talking about something that is concerning every community, right? Who is it not concerning at this point? Um, What is happening with this pandemic, uh, the coronavirus, is heightening anxiety in those that experience it regularly. It is activating anxiety and perhaps those that don't experience it. So thank you so much for being here with us to kind of help us navigate through this. My pleasure. So let us, uh, I'm going to ask you some questions that are coming in from our community at Gozan, which I think will help hopefully parents and kids. Um, the first thing is, how do we address what's going on with our kids? What's the best way to approach and is that age dependent? Hmm. Well, it's definitely age dependent because little kids shouldn't know about it, right? Little kids shouldn't even know about it. And of course, teenagers, you'll be having pretty daily conversations about it because it's such a great opportunity to observe the world in action, to talk about community and how we protect people who are more vulnerable. There's so many to to talk about globalization and the effect of globalization. There's so many interesting aspects of this to teach values that we can talk with teenagers about. And then in between, it will depend on our kids. And and so you asked, what's the best way to talk to kids? I think the most important thing that every parent needs to remember before you talk to a child of any age about this is to notice our own stuff. We're, We're gonna have a reaction right? Because you can't hear there's a pandemic or, you know, that, that schools have just been closed, at least in some communities, or events are getting canceled right and left. You can't, travel's been banned from certain countries. You can't hear that happening and not have a reaction as an adult. So we have a reaction of fear. And that reaction, if we're allowed to just, if we allow ourselves to just, um, well, let me back up. Drama, my definition of drama is when we don't deal with our own feelings, our own stuff, our own reactions. And mm-hmm. because we haven't dealt with it, we visit it onto others. That's what creates drama in the world, right? So if we have had a fearful reaction to the fact that this virus exists and is spreading around the world, and we don't deal with our own fear, we're going to visit that on our children. That's just the way it is. So we have to first work on ourselves. That's always the case. You know, the mistakes we make as parents that are actually the things that haunt us later really all come out of our own, when we don't do our own work, right? When we perpetuate the cycle of something that happened to us in our childhood or or we don't work on our own fear about the fact that our son is clobbering our daughter and we're afraid it's going to go on for life and therefore we react to him in a way that just reinforces that pattern 
right? As an example, things that when we don't work on ourselves, we always visit that pain on our children. So this is a great opportunity to notice our own stuff at getting activated and to work on ourselves. And when I say work on ourselves, you know, we, we are not at the mercy of our thoughts. We actually, and I know that the people who follow your work are very interested in mindful parenting. You know, when we pay attention to what goes on in our minds, we realize some of it is just not even true, right? We, we have fears that get activated. Our mind gets stuck on these tape loops of things that are not true, but are trying to, to alert us to the fact that there could be a problem. And we're not actually at the mercy of that. We can notice that and we can say to our mind, great, thanks for alerting me. I got this. Thank it's like, it's like a, a guard dog, you know? Thanks, thanks for letting me know there's someone at the door. Thanks, I got this. You go lie down, you say to the dog. And that's what you say to your mind. Like, thanks, I got that. Go lie down, right? And then you ask your mind how you want to be. Is it going to be helpful to you to be in a complete panic about this virus? No, not at all. Is it helpful to your child? Absolutely not. So I think that's where the real work is. Mm. Now, what, what you actually say to your child, we can talk about. But yeah. I think it, it's all about, so much of communication is what happens beyond the realm of the words, right? It's all, it's, it's our tone of voice. It's, it's wh- how we go into the conversation. Are we alerting them that there's a terrible thing happening? Or are we just like, yeah, you know, there are people getting sick from this. It's all the more important we don't spread germs. It's always been important in the winter, especially, and it's all the more important that we don't right now. So it's important that we wash our hands. So let's talk about how to do that and make it fun, right? So I'm just hearing the voices of the parents in our, you know, in the community and parents all around saying, okay, Dr. Markham, I understand that. I have to deal with my stuff first so that I can come to my child as like a true guide and a coach and what they need from me, Right. But this is the thing. This is something, it's uncharted territory. I've never been through a pandemic. I don't actually know that it's going to be okay. Maybe that's what I'm feeling inside. And I know I don't want to transfer that on to my child. So do you, you know, do I tell them what I'm actually thinking, which is, oh my goodness, are the schools going to be closed indefinitely, right? Do I lean into some of the things that maybe I'm feeling like, how do we know, you know, all of the what if questions that are going through my head that my child is reflecting back to me, you know, even without conversation. So do you have any kind of- Yes, I would ask, I would ask that parent, I totally understand the feelings. We're all feeling, you know, none of us like that place of uncertainty. It's not clear what's going to happen. We actually don't know. We don't have a lot of answers. It's scary to be in a place of uncertainty. But we're the grown-up. We can hold that fear. It's not our child's job to hold the fear. It's our job as the parent to say to our child, my number one job is taking care of you and keeping you safe and healthy. I'm on that. You, You do not have to shoulder that burden, right? to our child. So why on earth would we share with our child all of our doubts and uncertainties? What, what would that accomplish, right? We don't do that about other things. Why would we do that about this? No, we would deal with our own stuff, right? 
Okay, great. How about some words for some kids that are, let's say, so my kids are six and seven, for example. They've heard at school, you should wash your hands, you know. Um, I've explained to them that there's a virus that's going around that's kind of like when you get the flu, right, and we have to wash our hands and keep safe. Can you give us some more words for maybe kids in this age range? Uh, yes, I absolutely can. I, I want to go back a minute, though, sure. to the, the uncertainty and the fear. I just want to say that children all of our children are more at risk from the flu, the regular flu, than they are from this pandemic, right? For some reason, children get only very mild cases. Now, they, they pass it on. That's why we have to have them wash their hands is that they're, they can easily pass on the disease even when they get a mild case of it. But we wouldn't even necessarily have known if it were just the children. We wouldn't have even known they had this. And we're not sure why. We don't have answers. But we... We, first of all, we can relax a little bit that our kids are probably safe because that's the thing that every parent, you know, um, gets triggered when we think that our child may be at risk that in a way we can't protect them. But to put the whole thing in context for parents who are worried, your child is much more at risk from getting the ordinary flu, right? That strikes children more than it does older people. And your child is much more likely to have a complication and be at serious risk. So if your fears are around your children, put that in context, right? If your fear is for your parents, I totally understand. If your fear is from someone who has a, a compromised immune system or a respiratory, uh, you know, bronchitis issue that's an ongoing thing or whatever, absolutely, I understand why that would be a concern. And there are some children who do have those issues. I, I, um, if those parents are the ones who, you know, we need to be supporting and keeping their children safe by, again, having our children wash their hands, right? So I just wanted to say, I think it naturally, when you're um, hearing the voice in your head that says, there's a terrible thing happening, we don't know what might happen, we could be at great risk, you're going to be scared. But when you say to yourself, well, actually, my children are not at risk at all, and there are ways we can, we don't have to feel powerless here. There are ways we can alter. Actually, there are ways we can alter the course of the disease. There are many ways. One is by shutting down schools. It's a great thing to shut down schools because, in fact, they do transmit disease. And so it's a great thing to shut down events and schools and, and travel and all of that. And guess what? We get family time. Every parent in the world tells me they wish they had more family time, right? They also tell me their kids drive them crazy when they're cooped up. I get that. We can address that, right? So this whole idea that that it's a terrible tragedy. It, there are individual terrible tragedies and deaths. But in general, for most people who, I'm speaking to you if you're watching this, for most of us you know, who are in this moment with this, there's a lot of uncertainty, but it's not a tragedy. In fact, there are many bigger risks to our children and ourselves. Hmm. So I want to ask if we are limiting the news intake for our kids, right? We're trying not to have it on, but they're perhaps in a public environment where maybe they're in a waiting room or maybe they're somewhere where they hear it, right? Or someone else says something to them and they come home and they say, mommy, you said, you know, like we're going to have this family time and it's not that big of a deal and we have to wash our hands, but people are dying. And mm -hmm. someone yes. told me yes. and they get worried. Yes. You know, I'm so, worried that so something's going to happen to you, mom. Right, exactly. And that makes perfect sense that children would have that. And that's what we actually need to be paying attention to. And how wonderful if a child can actually say such a thing, because often they don't say a word, they're scared to bring it up, but then they start to misbehave, right? And 
they they tell you they're you know I wish I had a new mommy, you know, something hurtful, which seems like a crazy way to respond. But if you're afraid of losing your mommy, then maybe you're going to, you know, act out against her angrily because you're afraid she's going to abandon you and die, right? So that's a big concern. So I would say to any child who brings that home, I would say, so we, you said, how do you talk to six and seven-year-old? And, and any child who, who brings this in, I would say, what did you hear? Sounds like it was pretty upsetting what you heard. What did you hear? I heard people are dying. I've heard 200 people died or whatever they say. You say, wow, that is scary. That is really scary. And, and you might not have heard the whole thing, which is that the people who died are people who already had a health condition or who were over, which they all are, in fact, in the United States. Um, not true in other places necessarily, but in the United States. Or um, in Italy, a lot of the people are smokers. For instance, that's that's one of the preliminary data points. Um, so, you know, you could say to your child, I don't smoke. I don't have an underlying health condition. I take really good care of myself. But, but we want to take care of everyone in our community, including people who do have an underlying health condition or who have smoked and their lungs are a little bit compromised or who are older and their immune systems don't work so well. We want to take care of everyone. And the way we do that, is by not spreading the disease. And the best way to do that is to wash our hands, to make sure we don't have it, to use wipes, Clorox wipes or whatever, you know, to avoid spreading the disease. And that also does mean not going out in for needlessly, right? And to when we do go out to cover our tracks in a sense. You know, I'm in New York City. I'm riding the subway. I'm putting on my little latex gloves. I don't think I'm being paranoid. Anything I have is not getting transmitted, right? And I'm not picking things up. And I just throw those gloves away, you know, at the end of the, the time when I'm on the subway. You know, if you do get the sniffles and you're not sure what it is, stay home. Don't go out, right? And so talking to our kids about our responsibility to other members of the community is really important. But also reassuring your children that, I'm taking care of me. I am absolutely taking care of me. I'm not going to be getting something. And if you can work from home, it's actually better right now. And you're not being, you know, exposed. And I think we have some major challenges in our economy worldwide and in the United States where we have such dismal health coverage where we don't actually, you know, necessarily, there are many people in jobs where they are not being covered if they don't, you know, waitresses are not getting covered if they don't go to work. So, you know, what's that mom supposed to say to her children? She's going to go to work, right? What's she supposed to do? What she's going to say is, I am really taking care of myself. I'm being really careful. I'm keeping a social distance. I'm, I'm standing away from people. We're joking about it to make it work as I take their order from, you know, as far away as I can. But I'm standing away from people. Um, I am being really careful to wash my hands, everything I touch. I mean, you know, the whole thing that we need to transmit to the kids is we're not powerless in this. There mm -hmm. are ways to protect ourselves. And I think I would also be very clear with kids about how this is transmitted. This disease we know is transmitted by droplets from the nose or the mouth that have to then get into somebody else's nose or mouth or eyes. So if we're not getting those things near our nose, mouth, or eyes, we're not going to get the disease no matter what. So yeah, you know, if you're reflexively touching your face and, you know, so that's why we want to make that into a game in our family to notice it and to try to retrain ourselves, right? 
And, you know, if you do have an itch on your eye, you train your kids that you, you know, you're using a tissue for your itches. You know, you're not just touching your face no matter what. And it's a pretty hard thing for an adult to break that habit. Certainly children have their hands all over their faces all the time. But mm -hmm. it's a thing we can become aware of and make into a game, right? But we can also reassure our kids that we've got this for us. We, we because if we're anxious, put that in anxiety into retraining yourself not to touch your face. So you model that for your children. And so they really see that you mean that. Okay. I want to ask two real quick follow-up questions. You were talking about the gloves, which I liked because, you know, kids probably ordinarily haven't seen us put things like latex gloves on to go outside or go do something. Yeah. I wanted to ask, you know, when kids, especially as, as they get a little bit older, see us doing things we don't normally do, buying extra supplies, buying extra food, right? Bring, bringing things in. And to them, you know, things are starting to fall into place. Wait a second, why are we buying, you know, four bags of rice all of a sudden? And so there's a little bit of a disconnect, maybe they're feeling between what they're seeing and then what they're hearing from us. So do you have advice for parents on how to kind of approach that subject? Yes. Or, I, or make everything sort of align, you know, for them? Yeah. I, I don't think there is a disconnect between being a, you, that you can say to them. So the advice that experts are giving, epidemic experts are giving, is to make sure that if you got sick, you wouldn't have to leave your house because you do not want to spread it. So obviously, most people who get sick, and this is very important to tell kids, most people who get the coronavirus in the United States, we know so far, um, have a very mild case of it. We know that. But, but there could be a next door neighbor or somebody who's working at the grocery store or whatever, who maybe doesn't have such a robust immune system or, you know, is older or, right, who we want to protect. So we don't want to go out no matter what, even if we have a mild case. So the expert advice is to buy enough food that if you do get sick, you don't have to leave your house until you're better. That's all, period. So we're making sure that we have extra rice and beans around. So we're, we're buying some extra rice and beans and don't worry, we love rice and beans. We'll eat it eventually, you know, so we're just buying it right now to have it here and we'll eat it eventually. And hopefully nobody in our house is even going to get a mild version of anything. And if we do, we're all prepared. No big deal. So there's no lack of alignment there. I think it's completely. Now I would advise us not to be hoarding things that are needed by healthcare workers. You know, I would, I would say you know, the, the special masks that are needed by healthcare workers, ordinary people should not be buying, actually. Healthcare workers need those because they have repeated exposure to the virus, which seems to, to mean that there's more overload, more virus load in their body than their immune system can handle. That's why healthcare workers are getting sick. So, you know, we're, not, we're certainly not modeling for our children hoarding things at the expense of other people in our community. We're modeling, we're absolutely being responsible for our own health but also the health of other people in our community. And then the final thing I wanted to ask you about, and thank you so much, is um, compassion for parents who were just kind of holding it together, who have a very small, perhaps, network, supportive network, right, around them. And they were just sort of holding it together, getting their kids to school, you know, going to work. And now, even if you have a good social support network, you are asked to isolate. And so they're thinking, oh my goodness, how am I even going to work from home, right, with maybe my kids are all ages and they're running around. Now I can't ask anyone to help me. So just some words yeah. of advice or compassion for those parents. Yeah. 
Well, so first of all, I would say it's an unusual time. It's an unusual time. So do not expect perfection from yourself or from your kids or from your situation. You may have to use more screen time. I mean, I'm not a fan of screen time. If you follow my work, there may be more screen time in your children's future immediately here because what else are you supposed to do if you have to get on that conference call for work? But I would also say don't expect life to go on as usual, right? You're not going to be able to pull the same work hours that you used to pull before. And maybe this will force our country, the United States, since that's who I think we're mostly talking to at this moment, to make sure that everyone is covered, regard that they have sick leave no matter what. People should have sick leave so that they can take time to be with their kids and not have to worry about where the money is coming from, right? And I think that this may force the United States to actually look at the fact that compared to most other countries that have our, uh, you know, I don't want to say, um, I don't know how you would dis define this, but countries that consider themselves to be um, civilized countries, our, our policies in terms of families are very regressive. You know, we don't have um, uh, good maternity policies and paternity policies, and we don't have good sick leave policies. And, and so I think that we need to, as parents, say, this is something we need. We, you know, this is something we actually need. So that would be one thing I would say that just as parents, that's something that we need to be asking for at, from our, our, not just our workplaces, but our government, right? And I would say, no, it's not going to be normal. It's, it's going to mean that you're going to be not working the same hours you used to work and you're going to spend more time with your kids. And that could be an amazing silver lining, right? Um, and it also could mean it's really hard. It could drive you crazy, right? And, you know, if you live in New York in a small apartment, which many people do or many other places, you know, you're going to have maybe, you know, kids in each other's hair all the time and losing their tempers with each other. You're going to lose your temper with them. Maybe you have your partner home from work and your partner doesn't usually work from home either. And now, now, you know, you're, you're, you know, you've got everybody vying for a little quiet space to be able to do their work or whatever. And so I think it's, it's a time for, for to give each other a little grace, right? To just give yourself that grace and give each other a little grace. And, and I think also to, back off and look at your larger value system. Maybe your larger value system is about kindness and compassion in your family. And you don't talk about it that much, but this is a time to talk about that and how you extend that emotional generosity, even though, you know, it's hard right now. And maybe you put some routines into place that actually help you live with each other. So an example would be, how does dinner get handled every night? Maybe we all work together on dinner and we make it a party. Or maybe, you know, half the family does dinner and kids and adults, you know, and then the other half of the family does it the next night or does the dishes or whatever. Maybe you, you come up with a way to do it. But you set up structures that are different than the old structures because you're around more with each other. And think of it as homeschooling. If your kid's school is canceled, you're suddenly, you've become a homeschooling family. So Follow your kids' interests. The coronavirus is a place to start, certainly, but there may be many other interests that your kids have that you could explore with them that could be amazing to help your children develop more understanding of the world, of our new global world that we live in, right? And encourage your children to read to each other. There's so many things that you could do with this if you weren't being triggered by fear. 
And I think that's the thing. Humans are good at solving problems. We really are. But not when we're in the grip of fear. You, when we are in the grip of fear, we never make good decisions. So mm. I would say finding what keeps you centered is the most important thing you can do right now. And renewing that. You know, if you get yourself to bed early at night, don't stay, don't be online looking to see if there are any late, any pediatric cases or whatever else might keep you up at night. Do not turn off your computer, turn off your phone, put them in the charging station by the front door, go to bed, get a good night's sleep and get up earlier than your kids and take a few minutes of quiet to, you know, um, do some writing. You know, that's a, it's a time-honored tradition because it works, really helps you get centered or meditate or do your yoga, whatever is going to get you into a centered place so that as you start the day, you're more able to work from love. You're able to make your choices from love instead of fear. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Dr. Markham. Just so you guys know, I literally emailed Dr. Markham a few minutes ago and I said, I would love to talk to you about this. And she, of course, so graciously said, of course, let's talk about it. And so we're here today. And how can we find your amazing work? I follow it. I'm on your, I get your emails from AHA Parenting. So can you just let everyone know how they can also get all of your beautiful work? Okay. I'm online at AHA, like AHA moments, AHA, A-H-A, parenting.com. The newsletter, you can sign up for on any page of the website at the bottom of the page. And I have uh, a recent blog post that went out as a newsletter, but it's also just a blog post. Uh, if you put the word corona into the search box, you'll find it how to talk to kids about the coronavirus. And I'm adding links to that page at the bottom of the page for their NPR has a great little cartoon that they've now turned into a video that's a link at the bottom of the page. Again, to have kids watch it with you. It's a great conversation starter and it's reassuring, gives you facts, gives them facts um, as an example. But of course, there's a thousand pages on the website. So anything you want to search, you'll find. And you should read all 1,000, literally. Love them. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for everything that you do. We really appreciate you. My pleasure.